You know, I thought the song we sang, the last one, was such a fitting thing for today. Uh, Lauren Robin and your family. Um, you know, a song about God's faithfulness. You should, Robin, don't go. I want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we sang about God's faithfulness, and He holds on to us. He's never failed. And you guys have been a family that has just walked in to fo- you know, followed God and. and Moving to Canada, you know, going to India wasn't easy. Moving to Canada is not necessarily because it's the easy thing, because it's what God wants you to do, and, and we've seen you follow Him, and, and you have that certainty of faithfulness, and, and so thanks for being a demonstration of that to us. Yeah. Well, two summers ago, Cindy and I had the opportunity to uh, attend a marriage getaway at the Navigator's headquarters out in Glen Area uh, in the Colorado Springs area, beautiful place to go, and uh, had a great time. Uh, this was a little different than other kind of marriage things we've gone. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of talks. This one was more built around, it was like, I think maybe 12 couples, so small, uh, some small group gatherings where the leaders would kind of give some good input, and then you had assignments, and then a lot of time just to be with your spouse to process those things and be together, and we found it so helpful. It was exactly what we needed. But, you know, one of the things that we took with us, it was something that kind of left an imprint on our heart, was something that was not on the original schedule, um, the Navigator couple who were leading the retreat invited the couple that had mentored them for a lot of years to come and share with us one night. And so this couple, Skip and Buzzy, her name's Helen uh, Gray, uh, they've been married 64 years. And uh, they came that night and uh, shared with us and, and interacted you know, over some things. And it was just so clear as they interacted with each other and with us that these guys had a, a great marriage. I mean, it was just sort of dripping with kindness and affection and, and, and teamwork and partnership and, and knowledge of each other and love. I mean, you just could not walk away from that night without the thought, that's what I want for my marriage. It was inspiring. It was amazing. If you were married, what do you want your marriage to look like? What do you hope for for your marriage. I know some of you have, are recently married, this summer even, and you hope for that, right? I mean, you hope for that very kind of relationship, and that is a good thing. Don't give up on that dream. But for some of us who've been married a little bit longer, do you still have that hope? Do you still have that dream of building a close, intimate relationship? Or would you say you've sort of settled for something far less satisfying? What's your hope? Tim Keller says that marriage is glorious but hard. I think what Cindy and I saw in the Gray's marriage, uh, it was glorious. I mean, it was glorious. It pointed to Christ in so many ways. But what we didn't get to see was 64 years of hard work. Uh, without a doubt, I'm sure they hadn't all been easy. They worked, have worked hard to build a glorious marriage. What is it that you hope for in your marriage. Today, we're going to talk, uh, today and next week, we're going to talk about marriage. Uh, this summer, we we're doing a sermon series called Alive and Well, and so we're, we're looking at some important relationships. Uh, we've talked about parenting. We've, we've talked about singleness, and uh, today and tomorrow, or next Sunday, we're going to talk about marriage, and our hope is that, uh, you know, don't have, can't say everything you can about marriage, but what we do say will spur us all on to continue the hard work of building a glorious marriage. I realize as we come to this topic, you know, we're all over the place in terms of our experience with marriage, right? I mean, some of you would say, I've got a good marriage. We've got a good marriage. It's, there's unity, and, and, uh, and we're growing. And, and you come to this 
sermon today and you're like, give me more. I'm, I'm, we want to keep learning. And that's a good thing. Some of you might be in a place where you have a committed marriage. I mean, it's stable in the sense that you're committed to each other, but you've sort of given up hope that it's ever going to be really a satisfying thing. And so you maybe come to today like, yeah, just try to give us something that could help and because and, you've kind of lo- lost hope that it could ever be better. Some of you aren't married, but you want to be. Some of you aren't married and you don't want to be. Um, some of you have walked the painful path of divorce. And, and for those of you who have been divorced, I just want to say, in, in terms of what I say t- today and what Steve says next week, there is no judgment. Uh, we don't want you to feel any kind of judgment. Uh, we know that that's been a painful journey that you've walked. Wherever you're at today, our, our, my hope would be that you just open up your heart and say, God, teach me, show me what I need to hear today, given my stage and where I'm at. The foundational passage on marriage is found in Genesis chapter Two. This is where God establishes the institution of, of marriage. And uh, this is a passage when Jesus and Paul are, are wrestling with some issues related to marriage in their context. They go back to this passage because it's foundational. It's where God establishes marriage. So we're going to start with this passage, and then I'm going to move to some really practical suggestions. And I'm not going to dig into everything about this passage, but, but the core biblical idea I want to look at in this passage is the idea of cleaving, staying close to your spouse. Okay, so I want to read the passage, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and it's a familiar verse if you, you know, it's often read at weddings, and and so here it is. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The the verse describes the uniting of a, a man and a woman in the most profound way to become this new entity, a one flesh relationship. It's a physical, spiritual, emotional unity called marriage. Jesus, when he, when he talks about marriage in Matthew 19, says it's God himself that joins us together. Something God does. He does the joining. And so the text says that being joined together in marriage involves leaving one's father and mother. There's a, a change in relational priorities, right? No longer does one's parents have the priority, but the first obligation and loyalty now lies with one's spouse. And so the man is to leave, and it says he is to hold fast to his wife. And uh, the older translations say cleave, which is great because that rhymes with leave, right? Leave and, and cleave. And, and uh, to cleave literally means to stick to, to cling to, to be glued to, to hold fast to the other. The very same word is used to describe what Israel is to do with God. They were to hold fast to him. And so marriage involves leaving, involves cleaving to become this one flesh relationship. And, I, and it's this cleaving part that I want to focus on this morning, the work of cleaving, the work to stay close to your spouse. And this work is not easy. This takes work. As you know, you go past Genesis chapter 2 and we come to Genesis chapter 3 and sin enters the world and sort of messes up everything, including the marriage relationship, right? And uh, we've all experienced this. And so anytime there's a couple getting married, it always involves the joining together of two sinful beings. And so you have two sinful, selfish beings trying to build a great marriage in a broken world. That's kind of the challenge. So it's always hard. This is always a struggle. It takes work. We experience conflict. 
at times, and we don't do the best job of resolving it. It creates distance. We find growing resentments in our hearts towards our spouse because of disappointments and hurts and, and uh, you know, personality things that we thought were cute when we were dating now that drive us crazy when we're married, and, and it can create distance. And I think for Cindy and me, one of the, the biggest things that we've experienced in terms of difficulty in staying close is what Robert Lewis calls creeping separateness. It's sort of this imperceptible, over time, kind of this growing distance that you don't even know that it's happening. Busyness, work pressures, children, you, you maybe just stop investing in the relationship like you did earlier, and little by little, without even noticing, there's this kind of growing separateness. We've experienced that. I think it's what some married couples experience when the last child moves out of the home and they look at each other and they go, I don't even know this person that I'm married to anymore because they've experienced growing separateness, creeping separateness. Staying close requires intentionality. Staying close requires hard work. But when I think of that picture of Skip and Buzzy Gray, the work is worth it. The work is worth it. So for the rest of our time, I want to just give some real practical suggestions how to stay close to your spouse. And I doubt anything I'm going to say here this morning is new. This is all stuff you know. But, but if you're like me, a lot of times I don't need to know new stuff. I just need to be reminded of important stuff that I've known for a long time. So this is probably reminders more than anything else. So here's some strategies for staying close. The first is keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Forgive each other. As I mentioned, we sin against each other. Uh, sometimes we do it intentionally, right? We can be ugly. We sin against each other intentionally. A lot of times it's unintentional, but we sin against each other. We hurt each other. And if we don't resolve that, it creates distance. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 is a passage that talks about relationships in the body of Christ, but this applies to marriage, uh, of course, as well. So read this. Listen to this passage in light of marriage. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. In your marriage, be kind to one another. In your marriage, be tender-hearted. In your marriage, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Are you harboring any bitterness towards your spouse? Is there any anger Paul tells you to put that away. He says, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. And, you know, sometimes we think, how can I forgive in light of what they've done? And yet we, we, the example is God forgiving us in Christ. He's forgiven us deeply and richly and abundantly when we did not deserve it. Forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. You can forgive. I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes it's one of the most difficult things we will ever do. But Forgive. Forgive. Keep short accounts. When Cindy and I went through premarital counseling 34 years ago, whatever it was, uh, I remember the pastor gave us this word picture that stuck with me. And he, he said that, you know, when you, when you have conflict and you don't really resolve it, it's sort of like you put a brick between the two of you. And maybe one brick's not a big deal. You can still see each other. You can hold on to each other. It's, it's just there, but it's not really affecting that much. But the problem comes when you add another brick and another brick and another brick to that one brick and all of a sudden you have a wall of separation because of lack of resolving things, lack of forgiveness. 
Do you have a wall in your relationship with your spouse? Are there some bricks that you need to take care of? Forgiveness is essential in any good relationship, right? So important in your marriage. Keep short accounts. Keep forgiving. That's essential to stay close to your spouse. Here's another suggestion. Communicate regularly. I know, I know. That sort of sounds like you should drink water every day. Drink some water, right? It's kind of basic, but it's so important. It's so vital. It's so vital. I mean, it's as important as water is to a healthy body. Communication is to your marriage relationship. Communicate regularly. And, and we need to communicate at a depth where we're staying connected at a heart level, right? I mean, it's not just about logistics and who's going to get the kids and those kinds of things, who's paying the bills. It's, it's connecting at a heart level. We need to communicate. That is life to our relationships. For the two years that Cindy and I dated each other, we had a long-distance relationship, and I think we did a pretty good job communicating. She was in South Carolina, I was in Nebraska, and then the second year she was in, here in Manhattan. Um, all we could do is communicate, right? I mean, you're not in the same town to go do stuff. We just could communicate. And so we would get on the phone and pay 10 cents a minute to talk to each other. Some of you remember when you paid by the minute, right? No cell phone plans back in those days. And we would pull out this stuff called paper, and we would write letters. And, and young people, you could stick them in this thing called an envelope, and it would actually show up at their house like three days later. And uh, it worked. Um, but we would f- have these times where, where we gave each other our full attention, right? Especially on the phone. And, and when you're writing those letters, and we communicated. We, we learned about each other. We pursued each other. We shared stuff that was going on in our lives. We did the hard work to communicate. And you would think when we got married, it would all get easier, right? I mean, we're in the same state, the same town. We live in the same house now. And maybe it did at first, but it actually got harder. Connecting heart to heart through communication actually for us got harder. And I don't know when that happened, but you know, I think it's uh, I think one of the things that happens is when you are early in your relationship, there's sort of this this kind of new love thing. There's this these emotions that you have that drive you towards the other. I mean, you have emotional energy that's calling you to pursue the other one. It's the most amazing thing to get to know the other person. But eventually, those emotions wane. And any of you who've been married any length of time, you know that that's true. And now it becomes work to communicate. And, you know, you're living with each other, and you're two sinful people, and you begin to bother each other and irritate, and, and there's frustration and conflicts and, and busyness and responsibilities that just make it harder to communicate. Staying connected at a heart level and communicating, it takes work. Gary Thomas says this about communication. He says, in marriage, it is our duty to communicate. To be sure, every marriage needs times of silence and meditation, but in our relationship with our spouse, communication is a discipline of love. It's a discipline of love. You know, discipline, we, we talk about our spiritual disciplines. We, we pray, we read the scriptures, we fast. We, a discipline is something we say, this is good for me, and I need to choose to do it. I maybe don't feel like doing it, but I do it because it's good. And so communication in marriage is a discipline Sometimes you don't feel like going sharing heart to heart, but it's a discipline that you do motivated by love because it's good for the relationship. Practice the discipline of communication. It's part of the hard work of staying close to your spouse. Let me give you a couple of just practical ideas related to uh, communication. And uh, there's a lot that could be said here, right? A whole sermon on communication. But, but let me give you a, a couple of thoughts. First, try to develop the discipline of daily 
connecting and, and try to find 15 minutes every day where you give each other exclusive attention. TV's turned off, phones are put aside. And I know some of you who are, 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 are not married, you're, you're saying, seriously, 15 minutes, that's all? But those of you who've been married for any length of time, you know, if we could talk 15 minutes, that would be awesome. 15 minutes a day. If you don't have kids, dinner time can be great for that. Um, bedtime, yeah, right. You're not, you don't communicate when you get the kids. You're, yeah, you can, but it's, it's, it's harder. It's a lot of hard work. Um, when you go to bed together, uh, practice the discipline of going to bed at the same time. There's something about the day's done and the work's responsibilities are done. It takes some moments to just catch up and connect. Daily connection is really important. It's an important investment. I would also encourage you to think about maybe kind of a weekly time of, of some extra focused attention. Um, one of the things that Cindy and I have done, it's, it, we haven't been great at this this summer. Um, one of the, so Cindy has a job in the summer, but uh, during the, the school year, she's a preschool teacher, and there's just some kind of, we're just more disciplined when we both are kind of getting up and going to work at the same time, but, uh, so that has affected some of these. But one of the things that we've done a lot is uh, have a weekly date and go out and grab lunch, and then we have a set of questions that we work through. We, we actually read this idea, and our life group is reading, doing some stuff on marriage, and we read this idea, and we thought, let's do that. that. That sounds good for us. And so this is what we do, and I have it in my phone a little uh, on one of the apps, these, these things, so I pull it out, and we walk through these things. And so um, this is real structured, but uh, give an affirmation. So if I'm going first, I will affirm something that I've seen in Cindy, which means during the week I've got to notice her. And so I come to that time and I affirm something. I've seen her serve someone or, or uh, the way she's a great friend or, or whatever it is, and I affirm her. And then I share a, a joy, one of my greatest joys from the previous week, one of my greatest challenges from the previous week, and then a hope or wish as we kind of look into the future. I hope for this or I wish for this. Um, and then the last thing is a prayer request that so she can pray for me. And then it's her turn to do the same thing. Now, that may sound like, really, you got to have it that structure, but it's been real helpful for us. And so maybe you want to try something like that. Come up with some questions that these are what we're going to talk over and, and dis- do that as a discipline of love. We found that helpful in helping us stay together. So communicate. Uh, third, pray together. Pray together. If you want to stay close to your spouse, the spiritual dynamic of your relationship is just vital. It's so important. I mean, if you're here with your spouse today, that's part of what you're doing, right? You're, you're, you're giving attention to the spiritual part of your lives, and you're doing it together. But I want to encourage you to think about praying together. We did this early in our marriage, pretty consistently, daily kind of thing. And I don't know why, but it eventually just sort of stopped. We stopped praying together. We found it hard to do, and, and we stopped. But um, over the last number of years, uh, you know, we've been in this life group, and, and uh, there was one couple that had been through some kind of uh, tough times in their marriage, and one of the things that they had started doing is, is a morning prayer time. They'd pray before they go to work, and they would do it every day. And over the years, we'd hear them give testimony to just how beneficial that had been for them to keep them together, keep them close. And so a couple years ago, Cindy and I said, yeah, we need to do that as well. We need to start praying together again. And so we just started the discipline in the morning of praying together. And again, during the school year, we're much more disciplined than summer. It's been a little more shaky. But uh, typically, the, the normal model is I'm probably ready first and uh, go up, and she's still getting ready, and just she'll come out of the bathroom where she's getting ready, and we hold hands, and we pray together for a little bit. We pray for each other. 
pray for our kids, pray for our family, pray for something maybe coming up, up in the day. It's not a long time, but we pray together. And we've found that very helpful in keeping us close together. Here's some thoughts about this if you want to try it. I would encourage you to pick a specific time. Um, it needs to kind of become a habit, and, and a specific time and place is really helpful. If you don't pick a certain time, for some reason, this is, it's just hard to do, and I think spiritual battle is part of it, and you don't feel like doing it sometimes. If you don't pick a time, it's easier to let it slide. So pick a specific time and, and stick to that. I think it's also helpful if you appoint one of the two of you to be the one in charge to say, hey, let's pray. If you just say it's both of our responsibility, it's easier for no one to be responsible. And so we found it helpful just to, you know, I'm kind of the one that, you know, is going to say, hey, let's, let's get together and pray. It could be either one of you, but pick one of you to, to be the one who's responsible to say, let's do this. Start where you're both comfortable. It may be that you've never really done this before, and praying out loud is, is uncomfortable, even with your spouse. That's okay. You can still get together, grab hands. And talk to the Father together at the same time. There's something that brings you together because you're both looking to the Father together. You can do it in that way. So start where you're comfortable. And then keep it short. Um, we, we don't pray a long time. It's three, four, or five minutes, that kind of thing. If you say, yeah, let's, let's have a 15, 20-minute prayer time every morning, I, I think you're going to have a hard time maintaining that as a discipline. So start real short, you know, brief times. And don't get preachy when you pray. You know, it's not a good time to say something to your spouse, you know. Through, <laughs> you, know you don't want to preach at them while you're praying. Um, try praying together. We found it very helpful. Last thing I want to mention in terms of strategies, play together. Play together. You know, for all of us, when we started our relationships, we, this is kind of probably what we did, right? We went on dates. We, had, we found fun things to do together that created laughter and joy, and, and we just had fun. We played together. But so often, once we're married, we, we stop. We stop playing together. I don't think we mean to, but, but I think life sort of just becomes full of responsibilities, work, family, financial pressures, and, and we're weighed down by these, these pressures, and we stop playing together. We stop making the investment of time, and yet it was that kind of time that developed friendship. It developed companionship, and, and we need to not move away from fun and play together. Cindy and I have experienced this. Uh, we struggle with this. Sometimes we have a hard time playing together. We're both kind of focused, you know, uh, yeah, just maybe hard to leave work or keeping the house clean or, or whatever. We struggle with this. A couple of years ago, the church uh, gave us a, a, me a sabbatical, and it was a great gift. And those three months, or yeah, three months, was we, we got to play more together. And one of the things that was really fun, we, we took a uh, three-day uh, trip to Kansas City, stayed in a hotel in the plaza. And over those three days, you know, get them run together, uh, have coffee, great meals, go to the you know, art museum, uh, go to a Royals game. That was still fun to do two years ago. Um, <laughs> We just had fun. We laughed. And I remember at the end of that time, there was just sort of this at a heart level, this reminder, my wife is a fun person to be with. And, and some of you are her friends, and you know this because you hang out with her, and she, you have fun with her, but sometimes I don't play with her and have fun with her. And, and times like that just remind me, this is my best friend, and, and she's fun to be with, and, and, and we need to play with each other. You, you need to find ways that you have fun and, and do those kind of things. It's important. It's an important investment of time. 
You know, it doesn't have to be a weekend away. It can be as simple as a walk after supper, board game, um, going out to the lake on the weekend, or, or maybe you need to return and remember what did we do when we were first spending time together? What was the fun things we loved to do? And return to those things. Continue to have fun doing those things. Keep short accounts. Communicate regularly at a heart level. Pray together. Play together. And of course, there's probably a dozen other things that, that we should say this morning, but we don't have time. But p- my encouragement would be pick one of those. Just pick one of those things that seems the most important for you right now and focus on it. Work on that thing. You know, before I go to my last point, I, I just want to say this. I, I realize that in, in a room this size, there may be some uh, marriages that are in a really tough place right now. I mean, you're, you're kind of, it's so hard and difficult. And one of the things that I've seen happen sometimes in my interactions with couples is sometimes they, a couple don't come and, and say, hey, we're, we're having a really hard time until there's, they, they're, there's such a wall and there's so much anger and hurt and bitterness that it's really hard at that point to, to kind of, it can, and, and I've seen it, but it can be really hard to get back to where you need to be. My encouragement is don't let it get there. So where, if you're in that, if, if that's kind of describing you, my encouragement would be to tell someone. Tell someone in your life group. Come to one of the pastors. Tell one of the elders. Just tell a friend. But begin to get help. There is help, and, and, and it can be reestablished. It can be restored. God can do an amazing thing in your marriage. But you kind of got to take that step of, of getting help. Well, as I come to the end of our time, let me mention uh, what I think is your greatest resource for staying or getting close to your spouse If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells you that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And one of the things that the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives is to make us more and more like Jesus. He wants to conform us to the image of Christ. And I want to read a familiar passage uh, found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which lists the fruit of the Spirit. This is what God wants to do in us. This is the kind of character He wants to grow in our lives. This is what He does when God is having His way in us. And of course, we, we never arrive in any of these things. It's a, a jir- lifelong journey of growing in these things. But I want to read this passage, and as I do, I want you to think about how would your marriage be affected? How would it be changed if you were really expressing these, the fruit that's listed here, if you were really growing in these things? How would it make your marriage different? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you think it would help you stay close if you were really patient with your spouse? If your heart was filled with kindness? Would it help you stay close to your spouse if you were gentle? If you were filled with goodness, would it help you stay close to your spouse if you had joy and peace in your heart? Would it help you stay close if you were full of love? Of course it would. Of course it would. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to think and make our focus our spouse. If our spouse would only be different here or there, right? I mean, that's sometimes where we want to start if we're struggling. My encouragement to you today is to don't start there, but to start with yourself. Is this the kind of character, fruit of the Spirit, that you see in your life? 
Is this growing? Again, we never arrive perfectly and we struggle and we, we mess up, but is it growing? Is the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life? And if you see lack in any of this, the place to start is to, to go to God. Confess it. God, I confess I am impatient in my marriage. God, I confess that instead of love, there's anger. God, I confess I'm not very gentle sometimes. And then you cry out to God in faith, God, would you change me? Would you change me? Would you, by the work of your spirit in my life, create love and patience and gentleness and the fruit of your spirit? Would you cause that to grow in my life? And of course, we, we always, there's a partnership with God in growth, right? It, this is not something we are totally passive in. We, we fill our minds with scripture. We pray. There's other practices we do that open ourselves up to, to the work of God in our lives. But the reality is it's always about faith. It's about faith and trust. God, would you do this in me? And so if you find a lack of a fruit of spirit, say, God, I confess this to you. Would you work in my life? Would you change me? Do this in my, my heart. I believe that God wants to do that, and I believe it's the greatest resource for staying close to your spouse, the work of God in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the great gift of marriage. And... Uh, God, even as we started with that example of the, the grace and, and their 64-year marriage, God, and the, the picture that that portrays, God, uh, all of us, I think, we desire to have a marriage that glorifies you, that honors you. It's glorious. And God, we, we all know uh, marriage is hard. It takes a lot of hard work, but would you help us to, to stay in there and have the intentionality and the, and the, and the heart to keep doing the hard work of, of building a great marriage. God, where there's a need for forgiveness, give us the grace to forgive, release, let go. Help us to, to develop habits that, that keep drawing us together in, in ways that build a, a really a glorious marriage, one that gives honor and praise to you and even proclaims the gospel to the world around us. God, we need your help. We desperately need your help. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.